Thank you for being here today. Um, man, I love, I love what God was doing uh, just all throughout the worship service. And I just want to continue that. So if you want to open your Bibles to Proverbs 4, uh, verse 20. We're going to be in Proverbs 4, verse 20 through the whole chapter. And is there anyone here that likes to read that has not read the book by Danny Silk called Unpunishable? You like to read and you haven't read it. Would you lift your hand if, you're, if you like to read and you haven't read it? All right, here we go. We're going to give this book away. There you go. You read it and here's the, read it and pass it on, all right? Um, I, this book just transforms the way you see what redemption and what Jesus did at the cross. He says that we're unpunishable because Jesus took the penalty for all of our sin at the cross. Did everyone hear that? We are unpunishable because Jesus took our punishment at the cross. <laughs> Which means there's not punishment waiting for us if we follow Jesus. Because he took all of it for us. That's the gospel. That is the good news. That is the invitation we're to give to every person we can think of. Hey, Jesus paid for your penalty. You are unpunishable. Come on. Amen. All right, we're just going to stop right there. I changed. I had a completely different thing prepared, and then when I came in, I was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go this other direction." So, um, Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for paying our penalty. <laughs> yeah, thank you for paying our ransom. And today, I ask that you would come and bring freedom in this house. I ask that you would bring liberty. You said, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And so we release that in the house right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would put um, a healing salve over our eyes and ears, that we may have eyes to see and ears to hear. Hmm. And Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, we ask that you would wrap us in truth today that we may see what you see in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. All right, in Proverbs chapter four, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation um, because I, I really love the way he expounds on some of these things. Um, and so you can read it, whatever translation is very close, but um, he, he goes into more depth on his definitions of words. And so I want to use that today. So Proverbs four, verse 20 says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you. And all the parents said, amen, right? <laughs> listen to me, child, and the things that I teach you. And pay attention to everything I have to say. Uh, we were talking this morning with Shagun, and he was reminiscing about his dad, and I was reminiscing about Mandy's dad and grandfather. They're in heaven. They've, they've gone before us, but their voice and the things they told us are still in our heads. <laughs> and it, as we go through life, we can still hear them. <laughs> Amen? I'm like, my dad's voice is in my head all the time, right? My papa's voice is in my head. Um, and that's what he's saying here. Listen to what I'm teaching you. Let this repetitious thing I'm telling you, it's wisdom. Let it stay inside of your head. Don't let it leave your head or your heart. Come on, pay attention to it. Listen to it. And then he says, fill your thoughts with my words. Don't just hear them, think about them. All right, I'm gonna stop for one second there. The Lord, when he speaks to us, is giving us an invitation to not just hear what he says, but to think about what he says. Why does he want us to think about it? Because he said, come let us reason together. <laughs> Would y'all say, come let us reason together. 
This, this is the God we just said, his ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. But he says to us, come and think with me. So when God gives us a word or an instruction or a voice, his voice of wisdom, he's not just saying it. He wants us to contemplate what he says to us. Why did he say that to me? What, what did he mean by that? What did you mean by that, God? What context are you speaking from? I'm from this context. You're from a higher context. What are you trying to get me to understand by what you just said? And it's an invitation into a relationship. Shagun opened up with how Jesus taught in parables. He said, the reason I teach in parables is so that only those that are childlike and hungry and curious will discover the meaning of the parable. The arrogant will never find out the meaning of the parable because they won't think, they won't contemplate, they won't be curious enough because they think I have the answers inside of me because I heard the parable. But a kid says, well, why did you tell us that parable? What do you mean by that parable? What, why are you telling us this right now? Isn't there other things that are more important going on? Don't you know what I'm concerned about right now? Like there, there's an invitation when the Lord speaks. So fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deeply into your spirit, right? Verse 22 says, then as you unwrap my words, listen, as you unwrap my words like they're a treasure, like they're a gift, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. His words will, will put radiant life and, and health. What did he say? What did he say? Radi- true life and radiant health into the core of our being, So he's saying, listen to what I say, but don't just hear them. Think with me. And as you contemplate and think over and think over the things that I say to you, they're going to bring life and health to to the core of your being. And then here's the verse. So above all, everyone say above all. Guard your heart. This translation says, guard the affections of your heart. Mm. For they affect All that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Everyone say the wellspring of life. Other translations say, for out of your heart flows all of life's issues. Now, He's this guy that did this Bible translation is a Bible scholar. And so he has the little notes in there. And the note for that word, wellspring, it says most translations have it, the issues of life. But the Hebrew word is Y-A-S-A, yasa. And it's actually seasons. It means seasons of your life. So above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the seasons of your life. How many have ever been in a season of life and you're like, why am I in this season? This verse tells us why. The treasure, the words, the thoughts, the ideas that we have stored in our heart determine the seasons of our life. (laughs) The things that we treasure, the things that we contemplate, the thoughts that are in our head that we think of over and over and over again, the things we have stored in our heart will determine the seasons of our life. You're like, well, there are things that happen in my life that I have no control over. Exactly. But I have control of how I cause that season 
to affect me. And he goes on and he says there that this word season especially means springtime. Remember the song, it's always like springtime with you. This is what he says, out of your heart flow, the seasons of life. It is our hearts, not our age, not our circumstances that shape the seasons of our life. It is our heart that shapes the seasons of our life. And if our hearts are tender to God, we can make every season of life springtime. So when you go through a dark season of depression, if you will store the right things in your heart, you will turn a desert into an oasis. Because out of the overflow of our heart, we will speak over our life. We will prophesy over our life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Where do the things that come to our tongue come from? From our heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. So the things I treasure, the things I contemplate, the things I think about and store in my heart have authority over what I say with my mouth. And my mouth determines the seasons of my life. If, I, if the first thing I see is negativity and I complain, I am perpetuating a negative season in my life. And the Bible actually says that our words attract things to them. When I speak negative things, when I speak death, I actually create the thunderstorm atmosphere for more death and destruction to be attracted to me. Hmm. If I speak depressing things, I will attract depressing people and depressing news and depressing songs will become my favorite song. You're like, well, the words are really good, but there's a, a, an atmosphere of depression on it. Why am I attracted to that right now? Because I've been contemplating depressing things in my heart. So I'm attracting that season to my life. Like, well, what happens when really evil things happen to me that I had no control over? The Bible says in Psalm 84 that, that when we go through the valley of Baca, which means the valley of torture, the, the valley of pain, the valley of darkness, we will make it a spring. We will make it a spring. That means that no matter what season that you find yourself in in life, you still have authority over that season. You're like, well, I don't feel powerful. You need to read Unpunishable. <laughs> like, I, I don't feel powerful. Then that is the greatest lie the enemy can tell you, that you're not powerful to affect your life. You're like, well, things just happen to me. You are not a victim. Amen. I am not a victim. But if I talk, <laughs> if I think like a victim, and if I defend victims, oh, If I defend the victim, if I'm attracted to stand up for the victim, I am contemplating a victim mentality in my heart, and I'm attracted to the victim. I'm attracted to the, the perceived um, unrighteous power dynamic because there's a wound in my heart, and I'm attracted to it because I feel like I, I want to help someone not feel what I feel. So I'm attracted to the victim story. I'm attracted to the underdog story. Why? Because in my heart, I feel like a victim, so I want birds of a feather.
like the things we ponder, the things that we think about, the garden of our heart creates the atmosphere that we speak into our life. And I, I know I, we all go through really hard things in life. That's what life is. It's hard. I hated this when I was a kid and I heard my parents say that or someone would say, life sucks and then you die, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, okay, well, thanks a lot. I don't want to grow up and be like you then, right? That's how I felt. And now I'm like, no, life is hard. Life sucks and I will die at some point. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's like difficult, right? But we can make it more difficult or less difficult by our attitude. Our mental health, we have a mental health epidemic in America. It is a greater epidemic than any other epidemic going on. The mental health issue right now. And it's because what Mandy hit on, we are bombarded with the inferior reality of an inferior world every second of the day our televisions, our newsfeed, our sports. You, there's no place you can go right now that's safe from the inferior mentality of the world or the mindset of this present age. And what it has done, it, is, it has caused us to contemplate the wrong things. Mandy was all over. I was like, dear, I'll just go preach it. Go, baby. We think about the wrong things. We worry about the wrong things. We focus on the wrong things. We're attracted to the wrong things. Like, well, we, wanna, we just want to blame the world. We're victims, so we blame. We never take responsibility for ourselves. Well, I can't help what people post on Facebook. Delete Facebook. Just delete it. Stop. You know, there's this button on, on most social medias that you can just stop seeing people's stuff. Praise Jesus for that button. Because <laughs> like, you've all got a friend, or maybe you are, are that friend. I don't know. That when, when their thing po fo shows up on your feed, you're like, oh, I got to hurry and scroll. I don't want to read whatever they say. It's political. It's divisive. It's frustrated. It's, you know, scared. Whatever it is, I can't. No. That's the world we live in. And we're alert to it. There's a show that Mandy and I, we watched before, and we hadn't watched it like in a long time. Like it was, it was a TV show. I'm not going to name it. It's, it's gotten ridiculous. And um, so we start watching it again. I'm like, man, they are sure, because we're like, it's, it's like a, maybe a year or a year and a half since we've watched it. And so it, it's all coming out like right in the middle of, of all the stuff that was going on or right, they had, so there's all this political stuff in it. There's all this, um, these these new woke things, how about that? That's the word for it. Like, there's, a, there's transgender stuff in it. There's homosexuality stuff in it. There's, I'm like, what in the world happened? Like, they've got to cram everything that the world's saying into, to make it seem like this is normal life. And it's not. And I'm just, I'm just shocked. We are inundated by it. The, you know, I'm a big sports fan. And I, I've, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm absolutely sick and tired of sports. It has become, I don't know what it's become. 
but I sure have fed my life with a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? And so, what's the point? <laughs> Everywhere we look, we're being pulled into the inferior reality. And if we're not very um, alert, if we don't guard our heart at all costs, we will be in trouble. The Bible even talks about the last days, that even the very elect will be deceived if it's possible, which means that people that know better will be deceived. You know, there's an announcement I I, I was going to show, but Texas became the first state we can talk about how powerful this, this law is or, or whether it'll end up staying or not. That doesn't matter. I want to celebrate the fact that Texas just passed a law that says you cannot kill a baby that's in a mother's womb if it has a heartbeat. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, go Governor Abbott. I don't care if you like him or don't like him. Well done. Good job. I, I mean, I, it's not rocket science that you don't kill something that can't defend itself. Yet you want to defend everything else that's a victim, except for it doesn't make any sense. And so Texas has stepped up. Mississippi is another state that has stepped up. And their, their case is more important than ours because they're going before the Supreme Court. And if Mississippi wins their case, our law will have some teeth to it. So we pray for Mississippi right now because there's a mindset in the world that thinks it's okay to kill people. And we justify it. I'm just, uh, I'm abandoning all hope of a sermon I'm going to talk. Fort Worth disgusted me this last week. There's a, there's a Planned Parenthood in Fort Worth, and guess what they decided to do when they heard this new heartbeat bill came, in, came into law? They're like, we got to kill as many babies as we can. 100%. So the, the, the abortion clinic there, guess what they did? We've got 12 hours to kill as many babies as we can kill. We've got one doctor who kills babies. So guess what? That doctor killed 67 babies in one day, in 12 hours. Physically herself killed 67 with her hands, performed the actual murder inside the mother 67 times because they couldn't wait another day. And on top of those 67, she gave oral abortions to other 60 women. So 127 people were killed in that day. And guess the story she wrote for the newspaper. It was a victory story. This is what we did. My whole team was so weary and tired after that day. I'm after all, I'm an older woman. I can't believe I did that many in that day. And then I woke up the next day knowing that we couldn't do any more. And I went into my clinic, and my whole team was depressed and discouraged, and and they were worn out and tired, and I had to cheer them up for the new day. Give me a break, man. Ask ask a four-year-old if it's okay to perform an abortion on a a mom. That's the truth. You ask a four-year-old, is it okay to go in and do this to a baby and kill it? You can pick whichever way you want, the most gruesome way. You want to stab this baby inside the mom in the back of the head and suck its brains out of its body? Is that okay? Ask a four-year-old what they think about it. But this is the world we live in. It is an evil world. 
And they have a different agenda than heaven does. Man, he's like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we heard the good news on the, on the, on the TV? It would be amazing, but it won't happen. Why? Because they don't have the same agenda we have. There is a spirit of the age. You're like, well, I wouldn't go that far. Well, I'm going to be very brave right now. There's someone that I grew up and know very well that they posted a picture of a highway. I'm, I'm just going for it. And you know you have the welcome to the state of Texas sign, and it has the picture of the woman from Handmaid's Tale on the state of Texas. And they're like, yeah, that's about what Texas is like now. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? First of all, you know better. Second of all, they wouldn't have killed babies on that show. Babies were a treasure. No one could have them anymore. I know this show's ridiculous. My point is, even people that know better, that know better, have come under the influence of the spirit of this age. You're like, well, I, I won't do that. I won't fall into that. Every single one of us can fall for it. There is not one of us who can who can stand on our own against the spirit of this age. We have to say what Job said. I don't know anything, God. I wasn't there when you founded the worlds. You ask me questions, I don't have an answer. I'm an idiot. That's the only way we make it. We sing the song today. This is the air I breathe. I'm desperate for you. That is the key to the future. That is how we guard our heart. We do not become wise in our own eyes. In 1 Samuel 15, there is a great story that shows this picture of Saul becoming king. And I think it's verse 17. I'm going to pull it up. It's so good. And Saul just disobeys the Lord. God told him to kill everyone, not to save anyone from this place. And he said that he did it, and he didn't. And Samuel's like, well, if you did what God said, how come I hear sheep? How come you didn't kill the sheep? I hear sheep right now. And he tried to offer his excuse. So 1 Samuel verse 15, chapter 15, verse 7. Samuel, verse 16. Samuel said to Saul, shut up. Shut up to the king. Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord told me last night. And Saul said to Samuel, well, speak. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, did I not make you the head of all the tribes of Israel? And did not I appoint you as king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. But when you did not obey the Lord and you swooped down and stole the spoils, you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so Saul said to Samuel, but I obeyed. He said, no, you didn't. So Samuel said, this is what the Lord says. The kingdom has been ripped from your hand this day. Why? Verse 17 says it. When you were little in your own eyes, God blessed you. But when you became proud and you became arrogant, pride, what does the Bible say? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Like, how can we make it in the world we live in? We have to be humble. 
we have to humble ourselves. We have to realize, look, yeah, the Lord has given us gifts, and yeah, we know things about God, or we have revelation that we treasure and all this stuff, but the fact remains that I don't know anything without his spirit. I look at it like this, like if God came to me today and said, hey, Jared, here are all the ingredients for you to build this beautiful cake. I gave you everything you need to build the cake. Everything you need is right there. I couldn't build that cake without God, even if I had all the instructions. That's what it means. I can't do this. First of all, I don't want to do this on my own. Everything is to be unto the glory of God. Man isn't supposed to receive glory. How do we guard our heart? Glory goes to God, to God alone. He says he will not share his glory with anyone. Who are we to think that we can become arrogant and make laws and decrees and make statements that make the whole world live according to these? Who do we think we are? Are y'all okay? Sorry, I'm just fired up. That, that whole thing with Job, man, that was the right response. He, he was in a really bad season. He lost everything. His wife, his children, all of his wealth, all of his houses. He became very sick. Y'all know the story. He's, he's taking pottery. He's itching with boils so bad. He's taking broken pieces of pottery just to scratch himself. He became like an animal. <laughs> And when he listened to the wrong people, he accused God. But when he faced God, God said, face me like a man. Listen to me. Stand up like a man. Where were you when I did all this? And in that conversation, Job thought about what God was just saying to him. Not just the words. He thought about it. And his conclusion was, oh, I spoke out of ignorance. There's an old OC Supertone song that has this in it. I have spoken much too soon. I put my hand over my mouth. I cannot contend with you. Your ways are so much higher. Have we become too big for our own britches? Have we become too big in our own eyes? Hmm. Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, God gave you everything, every blessing you could think of. Let's finish Proverbs 4 real quick. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for there flows the spring, the seasons of life. Verse 24, avoid avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. This has become an anthem for my life. Um, I can't even remember who, who said it, but a philosopher said it. I know it, but I can't think of it right now. And he said, there are many things that I think that I will never say, 
but I will never say that which I don't believe. There are many things I believe that I won't say, but I will never say the thing that I don't believe. I will not speak lies. Avoid dishonest speech. You, are, you and I, <laughs> we're living in a world right now where the world's asking us to say things that aren't true. Can I go on just a minute more? The world is asking us to say things that just aren't true. Yeah, men can have babies. That's not true. Men cannot have babies. I will never say men can have babies. I won't do it. You cannot force me to say it. It's a lie. It's okay to kill children in the womb. It's just cells. Okay, then I'm opening up a dog abortion clinic, and I'm going to kill as many baby dogs, puppies as I can and see how that goes over. Like, I won't say the thing that's not true. Government should have complete control of your life. I don't believe that government should have complete control of your life. God should have control of my life. As a matter of fact, when the government tried to tell the apostles what to do, they said, well, you can punish me however you want. And that's what we have to realize. We can gripe all we want about the government telling us what to do, but the government can punish us. And the apostles said, you can punish me however you see fit and judge whether it's right to obey you or God, but we're going to obey God no matter what you do to us. There's the difference. If I'm not willing to suffer for what I believe, then I shouldn't complain about government overreach. Because if Jesus suffered, then I will suffer. So our running from suffering makes us mentally ill and makes us weak people. No one likes to suffer. Absolutely no one likes to suffer. All right. Avoid dishonest speech, pretentious words. Be free from perversion and perverse words no matter what. Set your eyes, your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Are we not distracted? Watch what you're doing. Be careful. Pay attention. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Ancient truths. There are no new truths. There are only ancient truths. Truth can be revealed, but it cannot be created. It can't be changed. It can't be shifted. Definitions of words are being changed right now like crazy. But truth doesn't change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Whatever he said is ancient truth, and I will build my life upon that, and my way will be smooth, even if I'm persecuted. All right, last, verse 27. Do not allow yourself to be sidetracked for even one moment or take a detour that leads into darkness. Don't be sidetracked or take a detour that leads to darkness. I'm going to close with this. How, how do we guard our heart? We do not introduce things to our life that could lead to darkness. <laughs> You're like, well, I, I have control over this thing. No, we don't. 
We, we just don't. We think we do, but we don't. We, we cannot even crack the door open to darkness. Are you okay? Don't take the detour that leads to darkness. Well, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to take a break. I still love Jesus and all that, but I'm going to take a break. No, 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 no. No games. No detours. No distractions. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. And if you're like, well, that, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Jesus was the most fun person ever born, ever, ever. He had more joy than anyone ever born. He was the most fun to be around. Why do you think kids followed him everywhere he went? I bet he was like a jungle gym. I bet the kids just hung off of him. I just see it. Like they're climbing up. He's hanging from his arm. And the disciples are like, leave Jesus alone. He's like, no, this is fun. Let him hang out. That was Jesus. Yeah, we see this. Oh, he's so religious and pious. And he was fun. He was free. Freedom is the most fun. (laughs) Jesus. Would you stand? We're going to, man, this has been good, Lord. How do we guard our heart? Well, fill it with his word. Dust that Bible off and read it every single day. Like, I don't even know where to read. It doesn't matter. Pick a spot and read it. Like, the, all of it is his word. All of it has a purpose. Like, well, I don't really understand it. Read it. And read it and read And then if you don't understand it, walk away and go, hey, what did you mean by that? Think with God. I contemplate it. Well, that's a really weird story for you to tell. There's a lot of those in the Bible. Like, man, the Old Testament's full of really weird stories. <laughs> like, why, why don't you put that in there? Because he's God. He wants us to remember he's God, right? So read the word. Surround yourself with people that are going after Jesus. I don't mean don't have friends that don't know Jesus. That's not what I said. You have to have friends that, that don't know Jesus. If you don't have friends that don't know Jesus, then we might be a Pharisee. So we got to have friends that don't know Jesus. But the people that impact our life, the people that have influence over us need to be Jesus followers. They're the ones that will give the best advice. They're the ones that will give godly wisdom They're the ones that will say, hey, 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 is that a detour? Is that really good for you? Does that lead to life or darkness? Good question. I'm sure glad you asked me because I was about to just go for it. But friends will stop us. If you're walking, the Bible says, and I fall into a ditch and I don't have a friend, then who's going to help me out of the ditch? But man, if I'm walking with a a friend, a friend can see the ditch, A friend can see stuff I don't see. A friend can pull me out if I do stumble and fall. I can get good friends, one on each side, so that we make sure we walk straight. So you have to surround yourself with people that love Jesus. Not that just say they do, but people that love him. People that are humble. How else do I guard my heart? Protect what's input. Protect what's put inside of us. 
Be careful what we hear. The old, the old nursery song, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. I don't want to go into the other part. There's a father up above looking down. He's like going to punish you is what the feel of the song is. I mean, he could if he wanted to. Thank God he doesn't want to. But the fact is, if I allow the wrong stuff in, then I'm going to think about that. I'm going to treasure it in my heart. And then I'm going to speak it and I'm going to create that world around me. Amen. And you got to talk to Jesus. Just have conversations with him. Ask him what he thinks. Did you know that when you ask him a question, he'll answer you? Yeah. Amen. Jesus is like, who of you asked for, for bread, would he give you a stone? He's better than we are. Come on, right? Prayer closet. Read the word. Surround yourself with Jesus, people. Right? And be careful what goes in. Father, I thank you that you care so much for us. You're the, you're the good shepherd. Come on, the Lord is my shepherd. You're the one who watches out for me. You know what's best for me. And I invite you, Jesus, come be the shepherd of my life. Come on, if you don't know Jesus, if you're far from or you just want to re-stir up that, that relationship with him right now, wherever you are, say, Jesus, come be the shepherd of my life. Come shepherd me. <laughs> Jesus, be the center. Come on. Yeah. And God, we ask that you would build protection around our heart. Take out the stuff we've put in there that leads to the detours of darkness and put your light inside of our heart. Come on. Put your word there. We put your word there. Hey, David found a secret. Your word, O oh Lord, have I hidden in my heart, and I won't sin against you. When do I not sin against him? When his word is hidden in my heart. So, Father, we ask that you will come and hide your word there. Speak your word into our hearts. Seal it with the Holy Spirit. All right, we got to... We got to respond, okay? If you have offense in your heart toward anyone right now, you need to forgive them. Whether it's justified, unjustified, it doesn't matter. The Bible says to forgive them. So if there's an offense toward anyone in your heart right now, forgive them. Offense invites bitterness. And bitterness will spoil every spring of my life. So just forgive them. Release them. Take your foot off of their neck. Let them go. Put them in God's hands. God will take care of them. If they did you wrong, God will take care of them. If they stole from you, God will restore what the thief stole. Ooh. <laughs> If there is a, a bondage lifestyle um, that has that's been lived for a long time, it's become a place of bondage. The Lord wants to set you free from that right now. We release freedom in your heart. You are free in Jesus' name. Let go of those chains. 
dead man, come out of that grave. Come on. Let go of the chains. You're free. Be free. You are not bound by anything. Jesus says you are free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free. Someone here or more than one person here or, or watching or listening, you have been abandoned and on your own. And Jesus says, you're not alone. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and so what happens is when you feel like you're on your own is you build up some defenses that aren't God's defenses. And we build up some ways of getting needs met that aren't God's ways of getting needs met. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because you're trying to survive. But I hear the Lord saying, you don't have to just try to survive anymore. Jesus has got you. He's going to take good care of you. (laughs) He takes good care of you. He will take good care of you. Come on. He knows what we need before we ask or think. Come on. He holds us. Yeah? He holds us. He's there. You do not have to take care of yourself by yourself anymore. The Bible says that he takes the lonely and puts them into a family. (laughs) A family. Gives you a seat at the dinner table with all the other sons and daughters. Come on. I think we'll just do one more. I feel like I've been going a long time, but we're going to do one more. If there is pride in your heart, I'm speaking to all of us, in my heart, then we want to ask the the Lord to forgive us for pride. So we're going to repent for pride. Pride has a lot of faces. Insecurity is pride. Arrogance is pride. Thinking too highly of myself is pride. Thinking too little of myself is pride. So Jesus... We're sorry for allowing pride to enter into our heart in any area, whether it's in our, our business, our job, our marriage, any success we have. If pride has entered into our life where we become self-sufficient, we become big in our own eyes, we ask for you to forgive us. You resist the proud but give grace to the humble. And so right now, we humble ourselves. If that's you, just tell them, I humble myself right now. I humble myself. I don't know. I wasn't there when you created the worlds. I wasn't there when you spoke it into existence. I have nothing. I have nothing to bring to this. God, I ask that you baptize all of us with a a baptism of humility. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. (sighs) Thank you for for being here. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. If you want to sign up for one of the revival groups, there are sheets back there on the back table um, on the way out. And we just bless you. Father, I just bless everyone here. We bless what you're doing in their life. We say more, more, more. We ask that the seed that you've sown would grow and the seeds that have been planted by the other 
the other one <laughs> would go away, that you would take care of those, that the weeds will not grow up. We release favor and increase on everyone here. We release revival into their hearts and their homes. In Jesus' name, we bless you. You want prayer, meet us at the front. Thank you so much for being here. 